What is going on, podcast listeners? Neil here for another episode of the Freedom Formula. I got a repeat guest on today, and I'm pretty excited to catch up with them. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm happy to be another repeat guest. I, I, I'm in. I'm part of the elite now. Yeah, I got to go for the three. I got to go for the Patrick Mahomes three peat at some point. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You are from Kansas City, aren't you? You must, <laughs> yeah. you must have loved this last weekend, then. Well, I mean, people, people are absolutely crazy. I mean, that's the thing is whenever, you know, you, you, if you're disconnected from the world, just pay attention to what your friends are doing in the social media feed. Right. And, you know, you see a bunch of red and people going crazy, mm. et cetera. So uh, exactly. I, I have, I have a feeling that it's, it's going to be an era where people are going to start to get sick of Kansas city. Like people got sick of the Patriots and Tom Brady. Yep. Isn't it strange that, you know, uh, same thing. I'm probably sure with the bulls and, and Michael Jordan, that we, we, uh, we appreciate champions. We appreciate winners, but then at some point people turn around and get sick of them and then want to tear them down. And you want to see heroes fall. It's so, it's very strange. It's human nature, human nature it? right? Like building up people. And then after a point, they're like, okay, that's, that's enough. Let's just, let's that, that's you enough. You, you've, yeah. you've had enough. Let's give it to you about underdog coming up. Um, so Stephen yeah. was in episode 108 before, and uh, I'll give a quick background on Stephen, but Stephen, I think you explained it a bit more about where you are now. So let's start off with where you started. So Stephen was kind of a serial entrepreneur, found his own definition of freedom. He's living in Paris. He's American, as you can tell by the accent, but found a way of living in Paris, working remotely, just achieved full lifestyle freedom and was freaking loving it. And then something changed. And Stephen, can you tell the audience where you live right now and what you're up to? So I live in Reading, Pennsylvania, and mm -hmm. I live and work in a Roman Catholic seminary as a, a sort of catch-all assistant. I, I do everything from taking taking out the, the mail, dry cleaning, um, various <laughs> errands, to working on our social media pages, auditing the website, uh, dealing with incoming emails, to creating promotional, promotional products for fundraising, et cetera. So mm -hmm. Let's just say I've adapted some of my business brain to, let's say, a nonprofit mm -hmm. function, as well as, you know, things that uh, are just practical and people need to get a run to the airport or if something needs to be taken care of. So I'm doing some of those things. And once again, driving, I didn't have a car for 10 years. I still technically don't have a car because these are all the, the seminary's vehicles. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've been driving more in the last since our last episode than I have in the last 10 years. <laughs> So funny. It, it It's so interesting because like what you're describing generally like conventional people think of like, let's say freedom lifestyle. They're thinking of honestly kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm calling you from India. I've been on a motorcycle trip and I hopped into a hotel and I'm like on my laptop working now. And that's oftentimes what I say is, hey, that's a freedom lifestyle. If you want, that's one type of freedom lifestyle. What you're describing here Sounds like the opposite. Like <laughs> you had an entrepreneurial life, you could go anywhere, and now you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to Pennsylvania. I'm gonna get a job in a certain way and kind of go back to it." How do you feel? You know, the that frame I think is interesting because I, I I consider Jocko Willink's discipline equals freedom yeah. as a potential frame for understanding this because they're like, "Okay, let me get this straight. Uh, you live in this place. Mm -hmm. You don't really travel anymore." And you do the same thing pretty much every day except Sunday. Um, and uh, how is that? How is that freedom exactly? Yeah. And and what's interesting is you have to think about freedom from from other things that you were were doing, and and there's freedom to do something else, right? Hmm. So it's it's not they're not exclusive. So I I've had previous freedom 
to do what it was that I wanted to do. But that landscape seemed infinite in the right. sense of entrepreneurs always have, okay, uh, you know, there's this other business or whatever else it might be that I might work on in the future. And you make lists, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Neil, Neil talks about this. He'll write down lists of, you know, ideas and then he'll revisit them in a quarter. And then he'll say, oh, well, that wasn't such a good idea after all. I'm glad I didn't, glad yeah. I didn't act on that. Or you make lists of where you're going to travel to in the future. Mm -hmm. So that that type of freedom, it, 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 it feels infinite and just extends out everywhere. Now, what I've experienced is the freedom to pursue this particular uh, pursuit that I'm working on now, helping the seminary and, and, and helping us grow and helping us fundraise. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that instead of it being vast and infinite, it's really narrowed and focused. But mm -hmm. I still have the freedom to do that. And I'm allowed to submit ideas to the bishop and say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? Some of them get shot down. <laughs> Maybe most of them mm -hmm. get shot down, but some of them he accepts. And, and so I still have that freedom to create. But what it does too, because I live here and I, ha I have certain rules that I have to abide by, it's melted the future away. So I'm not yeah. thinking about, oh, here are the 17 countries I'm going to this year, <laughs> right? So, so how's that, like, Stephen, does that make you feel like more calm? There's just less optionality. For, for certain, it does. And mm. it also compresses because it used to be, uh, it was the opposite. Uh, I, because it's a seminary, they observe a school year. So mm -hmm. they start in the United States here in September and right. they finish at the end of June. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as needed during non-school year period. So during the summer, there are a few seminarians who stay here who can do the work that I normally do. Right. So I, I'm somewhat superfluous during the summer, so I can visit my family, I can go take a trip, whatever it might be. Same mm -hmm. thing for Easter and for Christmas. So there, I'm actually, I feel kind of like a teacher. All my all my friends over yeah. the years who are teachers, they, they just they just love their vacation <laughs> time and, and they thought about that. And so, it, but what it does is it compresses you into a present of, mm. okay, but I, I'm here right now and this is what I'm focused on. And I suppose you can really treasure the times that you're away a lot more. It's not that it's not that I didn't appreciate it in the past. It's just I took it for granted. Like, oh, I'm going to Berlin this weekend. Like, mm, wasn't yeah, even yeah. a question. Yeah, wasn't they, it feels like I just came back from a ski trip in Utah. Uh, and I I really enjoyed that. But then mm. I came back and, and here I am. So uh, that that idea of the present tense, when you are in this, this discipline format the, right. the freedom is the freedom is focused on what you're able to do and it, it's a uh, it's something that then pushes you to appreciate the vacation times that you used to take for yeah. granted that was your life and Stephen, do you feel that um you needed to have seen the other side to appreciate this side because it's almost like you were making a decision to go into this discipline lifestyle. That's your version of freedom. You literally made the decision to do it and that's what you want. Therefore, for you, that's like, that's the freedom formula. That's for me exactly what I chose. Many people like, they don't have a choice. They're working a job they don't like. They got to do that and that's a different feel. But you kind of escaped that. You escaped that. You built your ideal life at the time. Then you went into this. What if you didn't? What if you just went to the discipline of life? Do you think you'd still feel this type of feeling of fulfillment? I think I think the lifestyle forces you into a certain way of being, but mm -hmm. there's no way that I could have appreciated something I never had, right? So to your point, mm. if I hadn't experienced that, how could I possibly know what I'd given up? 
it doesn't lessen the sacrifice of those who come to this lifestyle and didn't live my lifestyle. It doesn't mean that they haven't sacrificed. They just, they just don't know necessarily what they, they could have. And that's why I still, to this day, I mean, I, I should get like affiliate links for the four hour work week for how much I talk <laughs> about it in my life. You know, it's probably the book I've referenced the most in my life, you know, since 2008, it was published mm-hmm. in 2007. And I, I talked about this with my barber over, over the weekend. He's like, Oh, you know, is that worth reading? You know, I've heard about him over the years. I said, it's one of the most important books in my life. I said the the life I lived for the last 10 years, it's not that it wouldn't have been possible by the four we for our work week. I wouldn't have been pushed to think about things. And I, I I recounted to him that I first read it in 2008. And one of the major principles in the book is most people's lives are predicated on the big pile theory. I'm going to accrue a pile of money. I'm going to, I'm going to get old enough to then live off of that pile of money mm-hmm. and die. <laughs> and all the time deferring that I will get to do what I want at some future point. First of all, there's a whole, that's a whole scam. Yeah. But under like, underneath that, he always asks people, people say, you know, what is it you, you do for a living? But no one ever asks, why do you do what you do for a living? Mm-hmm. And that underlying question of why it is that you do and that the, the sort of problem of retirement in the West, that this is a very new concept. It doesn't exist in many cultures around the world, retirement, because really? retirement. Yeah. Re, re, there's not even words for it in some languages. Hmm. But the whole the whole concept is retirement exists because I'm doing something I don't want to do until I get to the age where I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. But if you're doing what it is that you want to do in your life and you're excited about it, why why do you care about you're not even thinking about retirement? You're not thinking, oh, can't wait. Got two more. Got two more years left. I can finally enjoy. Chris, Chris, Chris Rock does a bit about this in one of his early comedy specials. He's like, I used to work at Red Lobster. You you're scrubbing. You're scrubbing that pan. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the clock. Scrub, scrub, scrub. Dang, two minutes have passed. Right? <laughs> and then he says, if you're working on your project, he's he said it, it's 7 a.m. and suddenly it's 5 p.m. And he said, well, where did all the time go? Yeah. I, I guess I gotta come in early tomorrow. That that hilarity of when you're doing what you don't want to do, time it, it's just this burden. But yep. when you're doing what it is that you want to do and you're you're convicted about it, then there's never enough hours in the day. And mm. so Tying that back to that discipline equals freedom. When people think about freedom, and that's why I, what I think is so valuable about what the freedom formula is attempting to do is look at different frames because we can fall into a very simple conception of the world. Say, oh, freedom's doing whatever it is that you want. Yes, that's true. But what is it that you want? Most yeah, people like, don't have an answer to that. Yeah. And, and I think, frankly, we'll see that sometimes with some of our digital nomad colleagues. And I still call them my colleagues, even though I'm not yeah. a digital nomad, <laughs> is, is there is a wandering going on. Very famously, um, Kyla, you, you know Kyla yeah. from, from the DC, she had said that you know, people were um, you know, talking on the beach in Thailand and the, the famous uncomfortable question was, well, what are you running away from? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so I do, and I say that, I say that half jokingly because I do wonder how many digital nomads really know why it is that they're doing this, or are they doing it simply because they have the agency to do it? Right. Well, I I'm guess I able to do to this, like... therefore I can. Yeah. Okay, fine. It, it's why? a harder question to answer why I think is the truth. Like, and I, I did that for five years and at the beginning i remember it was fantastic and i remember one specific situation i was in malta i was walking around and i was like 
damn, I feel like I'm doing the exact same thing in a different country. Nothing's changed. I don't have as much excitement. I'm just chasing the dragon right now. But you keep doing it because it's more fun than being in LA for me at the time, right? But like, there was no why. It was just like, oh, this is fun-ish. And like, it's getting a little bit less fun. And I do think like, we're talking about that with a freedom lifestyle with nomads. But the truth is, I think a lot of people look to say, hey, I, I want to make $10,000 per month in revenue. Then I'm going to be free. Free to do what? I don't know. I'll figure it out when I have enough money. But then I could finally figure it out because I'll have brain power to think about what I actually want to do. Okay. And like, hey, I fall into this trap all the time. I keep thinking I need this amount of money. Then I'm going to feel comfortable. I want a million dollars in my bank. Then I'll feel comfortable. I want – but like it, it never really ends is what I'm slowly realizing. Like every single goalpost I've hit personally, it just moves. It's crazy. It just constantly moves. And I'm like, oh, now I need this amount to be comfortable. Like how strange is that? And it, it, it really gets to the point where like, what exactly is more people looking for? And why are they doing what they're doing? I still don't even know. Um, but I think a lot of people think they will know that answer magically when they hit a financial milestone. And I think I'm starting to realize that's kind of a fallacy, at least as far as my oh, it's experience. A hundred, a, a, it's, it's a fallacy. 100% a fallacy. 100% yeah. a fallacy. And obviously, I'm going to give a supernatural answer, the idea that there is a restlessness in our hearts that is cannot be solved by natural means. Then, then that's something that's going to be a journey of a lifetime. Mm. But uh, I'll, I'll give you another frame for this. People were talking about the difference between winning and losing. And we just had a, a Super Bowl uh, before the not too long before this this episode. And there was a study done uh, in which people were asked about how long did they feel the effects of winning. And I think it was a South Korean footballer was talking about um, winning different things. And, uh, uh, or sorry, maybe not a South Korean, but an Israeli athlete. I don't remember who it was, but they said after three hours, it was that they won a gold medal or a world championship or whether it just, it's like, okay. Uh, and it was trying to say that the pain of losing is actually far more. It goes on for years and years mm. and years, but the joy of winning is actually, maybe only goes on for three hours. And then That's you're, so you're back to the same like, like, are you kidding me? Three hours after like, <laughs> but, a but, lifetime but, of training. Uh, Right, right. But I think that underlines the point of, okay, when I get here, and that goes back to my four hour work week story, shameless plug, that mm -hmm. when I read the book, and it said my why, my answer in 2008, when I read the book was, well, when I sell my business, I'll be able to answer that question. And just how yes. hilarious that was. So, so the why was, my why is I'm building this business to sell it, which is like one of the low lowest grade whys ever like on a scale of one to ten it's like a two right it's a terrible why mm. <laughs> you need you know, so, and then and then it's said well i'll figure it out well you don't know that you're going to figure it out after you sell your business that's just your hope you're guessing yeah. you're hoping and it's the same problem with well when i reach this financial milestone i'll be able to do that the question is are you why can't you carve out space to do what it is that you want to do now and and what do you think so Tim Ferriss gives you this, this framework in there. It says, okay, let's pretend that we have it, okay? So we've got it now. Now what? So do that mental exercise. We, we've got a million yeah. in the bank and we yeah. have uh, $10,000 of free cash flow. This is money I'm taking home every month. Now what? What's different about your life? And then do that thought exercise to say, okay, well, are you going to do stuff now? Oh, I'm going to do X. Is it, well, can't you do X now? Uh, yes, I guess I could. So why aren't you doing X now? Well, because I had to wait till I got to this milestone. Why? Right? That classic Toyota five mm. wise formula. Why am I not doing this? So mm -hmm. that question has to be, what do you just do that exercise? I think I'm going to have in the future where I don't have to worry. What is, 
what's different? What am I, what am I going to be doing now? And that goes back to that question about retirement and, you know, why, why it's a, it's a silly idea that if you're doing what it is that you love, then you don't need to be worrying about retirement. If you want to, at some point you could, but retirement itself is (laughs) not a goal, not, not an exciting idea. Definitely. Steven, so to tell from your background, you, you had a company, you sold it, you moved to Paris, you're kind of doing stuff on the side. Is can you like you were in business for the last decade plus, right? Like you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, the the that business that I sold, I started that in 2003, sold it in it went through different iterations. I sold that in 2012 and built more businesses when I was in France. But yeah, I've been in business, let's say the last 20 years in one form or another. And now that you're doing what you're doing right now, like you're kind of utilizing your business brain, but you're not in business right now. You know, you're working for the seminary. How do you feel like your entrepreneurial brain is like, what, what's going on? Do you still feel that it's business stuff? Has that gone away? Like, how do you feel? I think, I think, frankly, it's melting. It's uh, my, my, my business brain is melting, Neil, you know, it's like, like the, <laughs> the wicked witch from the East. It's melting. It's melting. Uh, and I want you to think, I want you to think actually my lifestyle ticks are also melting. I'll give you an example. So normally when I would go to a place, wherever it would be, I'm going to know the coffee shops. I'm going to visit the museums. I'm going to know the good places to eat. I've now lived in this part of Pennsylvania for seven, eight months. I don't know the answers to any of those questions. I haven't Mm. been to the museums. I haven't checked out the coffee shops. I haven't been going to uh, any of the the, the rest. I mean, I've gone to a couple, but that lifestyle of I'm going to go to a place, I'm going to explore it, I'm going to know it, I'm going to meet the locals. That was my mode for however mm. many years. Yeah. But that that doesn't that's not compatible with the lifestyle I'm living and the work that I'm doing now. I'm not I'm I'm very inwardly focused and then there's obviously an aspect of prayer in my life where I'm mm. more focused on that than I was in the past. So there's just not as much time for that. Does it mean that I don't like food anymore? I don't like meeting people. I don't like <laughs> uh, exploring museums. No, it's just that that's not the mode that I'm in now. Mm. And maybe it would be in the future. Who knows? There, there's an openness to that. But it also means that what motivated me all these years, which was business, and you know this from yourself, from being an entrepreneur, it's that excitement of building something. It's the the beauty of creating a universe in which your rules are the rules. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, my 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 employees, my team members, they get to benefit from the way that I think. And I've said this before, in a world in which things seem so hopeless, um, I can't change student loan debt. I can't change Social Security. I can't fix the Israel-Palestine thing. I can create an environment in which my employees love to show up for work, mm. um, can brag, say, you know what my boss does? He does this. That That's something that we can affect and, and yeah. really change. And it makes an impact on people's lives and it pays their bills. Um, that aspect of my life, it's been melting, as I say, because I'm not chasing that anymore. I'm not building businesses. I'm mm-hmm. not, I, I'm not doing all those things. I'm now focused here. And so what happens is that doesn't go away. It's melting and reforming into a different shape, right? Mm-hmm. So all of that business expertise which was yeah. being formed for, let's say, this particular energy attack, that way. this particular yeah. use, right? So now it's melting and it's being put into a different shape. And as I say, some of it's being pl- deployed into nonprofit thinking. Okay, well, how would how would a nonprofit present this? And we're st- like, for example, I've been auditing our website. Our our websites were terrible, <laughs> just terrible best practices. What is this Google Map doing here, etc.? Yeah. Um, what is this? We have to remove this. This email is going to get scraped. And so I'm still deploying that 
but not in a we're going to take over a lot of business mm -hmm. uh, form. It's a best practices of how do we present ourselves? How how do we give people good information? How do we have a, a good contact us form that, you know, has a has a captcha in it, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So my business brain has <laughs> melted, will continue to melt and and form into this new shape. As I said, I've only it's only been seven, eight months now. Yeah. And we'll see, like I said, when I come on for the three P, you know, maybe in another year or two, we'll see what, what, what has happened then. But the, 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 the skills that you build in life in whatever field that you have, again, as long as you've been pursuing what it is that you want and you know why they can very easily be deployed and shifted when I, hmm. I'm trying to think like Tom Brady now, he's preparing to become a television commentator. He has been talking to commentators. He's been reading books. He's been doing all this other stuff. And so I saw him on an interview the other day where he was talking about the challenge of a quarterback and people calling plays. And he says, when someone's looking at a call sheet, they're just guessing probabilities. They think, okay, on third down, uh, this defense is likely to do this. And so they call mm -hmm. this play. He says, the quarterback comes to the line and realizes that the play that was called was for man-to-man -man coverage and they're in zone or whatever. Yeah. So it says, as a quarterback, I have to make a decision at that point. Well, if we run this play, it's not going to happen. So he has to change it. Now, you have to think about the fact that this guy is about to then go on television and up everyone's football IQ by 10x. Yep. Yep. Because when he's going to comment on the game, he's got, oh, I don't know why that guy's lined up like that. There's something bad's going to happen here. Right. And then something bad happens. And they said, is, is Tom Brady a, a psychic? <laughs> <laughs> but, but all he is, is he's deploying all that knowledge and everything that he earned over 20 years on the field. And mm. now he's putting it into a different category and he's gonna do the same thing that he did before, which where he was lifting up his teammates, he's gonna be lifting up other people's understanding of the game so that they can appreciate it more. And that again, his let's say his football brain is melting into a different configuration. He's no, he's no longer gonna be throwing the ball, but he's gonna explain to people, okay, you know how that ball was thrown just now, this is why. Got it. Steven, final question over here, and this is a strange one, and I always, like, I never want to ask, hey, are you happy? Because, like, I feel like, on a spiritual way, that's, like, the end state. Like, that's what you're always achieving towards, but you can never actually get. Do you feel equally fulfilled with what you're doing now versus your life before? Or more? I would fulfilled? say even more so. Even, okay. even more so. And, and, and this would be something that, that nomads can appreciate as well. They know that no matter how much they love being on the road, they know that they're most productive when they're actually standing in one place at a time. <laughs> yeah. Right. There was, there's a great Instagram video where this, this guy was, um, it was just sort of a joke, but he was skiing and he had his laptop open and mm -hmm. then he was on a, on a, on a ski lift and he was like, okay, well, I don't think that semicolon is supposed to be there. And we all joke about it, but we've done enough calls in, in strange cafes and weird workplaces and, and not functional Airbnbs to know that, it's not a lie to say we're most productive when we're stable, when we're in For a sure. place, we know a place and all the other distractions of, well, where's the supermarket? Well, do I know how to ask that in Portuguese, et cetera, that if I'm stable, well, I've been in the same place, Neil, for, for eight, eight months now mm -hmm. after, you know, I have had a couple trips. I had to go with the Bishop to Poland and France and I had to do some other things, but I've not been this stable for 10 years where I've, yeah. I've just been uh, apart from 2021, where I was, uh, because of the pandemic, I decided to stay in France all year. <laughs> and do you know what happens when that is the case? Your productivity goes through the roof. Mm. And and that goes back to contentment, happiness. I always 
agree with the idea that happiness, if you want to use that frame, is a byproduct of doing what it is that you know you're supposed to do in life, hmm. living where you're supposed to live. And that is a natural byproduct. And it comes and it goes. Happiness comes yeah. and goes. It isn't, it isn't a state. But contentment is when you know you're you're doing what you're supposed to do and you know you're supposed to where you're supposed to be so contentment as a as a separate idea from happiness happiness comes and goes yeah. but contentment knowing here i am this is what i'm supposed to be and that goes back to what i said earlier that saint augustine quote our hearts are, are you made effectively saint augustine said our hearts are restless and they will be restless until they rest in god and that idea is part of why we chase what we chase and mm -hmm. i get to that mountain and oh i got to this mountain and there's another mountain or i thought i was going to be happy now <laughs> yeah right? Uh, diving deeper and exploring that is part of what the the freedom of stability buys you that uh, i am i'm here i can be productive but i can also think i can also ponder i can also ask the the great questions about life yeah uh, because i've given myself the freedom to do that you can't do that if you're traveling all the time and i know because i've done it i'm not saying that wasn't great i'm not saying i didn't grow as a person i'm not saying i'm, I'm working on a book uh, this year on all the travels from the last the previous 18 months so i'm not saying i don't appreciate it but it's just different you you cannot have the stability and freedom to explore things uh when you're when you're traveling as that you can when you're stable and you know that yeah. yourself no 100 i mean even for this call here like I just told you, I checked into my hotel two hours ago. I was praying that they had good enough Wi-Fi for me to actually have this call. Like, it is stressful traveling. Now, I love it, but I know, like, there's some points in time where, like, even now, I'm like, I just want to be in a stable place just so I could actually do what I want to do, which is work on made this franchise. Like, I, I love doing that. It's kind of like a, you know, both. I can't do both at the same time um, for extended periods of time, right? So it, I definitely hear you, and it's almost like, there's limited energy you can put into something. So if you find something that makes you content, eliminate all the other clutter and then focus on that. That makes the most sense. Can I add one last thing before we wrap up, Neil? That yeah. did you ever watch that that Italian job? That's the version with Mark Wahlberg. There's yeah, an older yeah. version with Michael Caine. But the bad guy in that film, he is so unimaginative. His prizes are just what everyone else dreamed of: the Aston hmm. Martin, the shoe closet. He couldn't even dream of what it is that he wanted. And I suppose the question I'd want our listeners to think about is, are you chasing someone else's dreams? Ooh. The idea of, yeah. you know, I want this or I'm going to have that. And, you know, I'm going to have this much in my 401k. Are those actually your dreams or just ideas that you heard that you generally like and sound pretty good? Are you, are you, doing, are you the bad guy in the Italian job where you Man. didn't think through and say, what are my dreams? What is it that matters to me? What it is? What is it that I'm chasing? And focus on that as opposed to generally good ideas I heard out in, out yeah. in the world. Um, that that's what I would leave our listeners with. Make sure that you're you're chasing what you're you're supposed to be chasing, and ask yourself that question: Why? Why am I doing all this? Yeah. That's a question worth asking. And if you don't know the answer to that, you should pause and try to take some time to do that. Yeah, I love that, man. Well, Steven, thanks so much for hopping on, man. I will definitely catch you for the three-peat and get some more updates on how your journey's been. All right. Thanks, man. Cool.